Today's show is being brought to you by Cause Marketing Forum and SelfishGiving.com. And we want to thank our sponsor, 1BillionShirts.org. Custom t-shirts that help others. Print with them, and 25 cents from every t-shirt benefits a good cause. And remember, you can find Cause Talk Radio on Stitcher Smart Radio as well as iTunes. Leave us a comment at either one of those platforms, and we'll send you a Cause Talk Radio t-shirt. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And I am here, of course, with my host, Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hello. Megan, you just keep on coming back. Every time I call in, you know, call in for the show, I just expect you not to be there, but you're there every time. <laughs> yeah, I am the consistent rock of the show. You're sort of the fly-by-night diva. Yeah, but... and you're just like, you just love this consistent punishment <laughs> doing this show with me. I do, I do. It, it is a love, a true love of my life. Well, you know what keeps you coming back? It's the, the people who get the on guests. the show. I know, That's right. we've got a great That's guest right. today. I'm excited. Yeah. And we have a great guest today, no less from... Snowy, Minnesota. We have Chris Murray, who is the vice president of business development for Jingit. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Great. How are you guys today? Good. So, uh, you guys freezing your asses off in Minnesota, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it's like Hawaii here now. I think it's in the uh, 20s, which is about um, 60 degrees colder than it was, what, a week and a half ago? Yeah. You know, I was in Toronto just this week, and they were telling me how it was 40 below zero, and I thought, gosh, that's really, really cold. And then somebody pointed out to me that that was not 40 deg- degrees below zero Fahrenheit. I thought, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a smart you know, someone, one. I had a, not to linger on this, but I had a professor in college, and he was from Minnesota, and I remember a story he told me. He had one of those old cars with, like, you know, the, the, the front seat that's like the bench. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and he said it, he was, grew up in Minnesota. He sat down in the car on a cold morning, and the whole leather lining of the bench cracked. Oh. <laughs> that's how cold it was. Chris doesn't. And, Chris well, doesn't I, have to worry about that. I heard a uh, there's a prominent weather guy who used to be in town named Paul Douglas. He's a kind of an entrepreneur now and starter of all these meteorology type of uh, high tech businesses. But I heard him speak once, and part of his speech, uh, I think the way he started off was, "Can you name the location you get the most temperature fluctuations in the world?" Mm-hmm. And most people guessed Siberia, and yeah. the answer was Minnesota. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucky yeah, you. Siberia was number two. Yeah, that's right. You know, we should, Megan, we should just turn this into a weather show. It would probably be a, it would probably be a lot more successful. Yeah. Great idea. Hey, but Chris, I mean, you, you know what's interesting? You're not in New York. You're not in California and Silicon Valley. You're in Minnesota, and you folks are working on some great stuff with Jingit. Do you want to tell us about it and give us an example of what's happening over there? Sure. Yeah, it is rare for a tech company to come out of Minnesota. I know, it really um, is. But it's also fun. It's probably not the best place for venture capital, but, you know, they find you if you have something that's worthy. So um, no matter where you're located, obviously, you can be sought out. And in our world, what we do is we have a um, a payment and um, advertising platform. So we've blended Mm -hmm. the two. Essentially, we move money like real time, um, like a PayPal. And as we do that, we blended that with an advertising model. And the reason that we did that is we felt like the consumer was not being valued in the proposition in which the advertisers and the marketers were putting in front of them for their time and attention. So what we did is allowed consumer to earn cash along the path to purchase, whether it's pre-store, in-store, 
uh, validation of purchase or uh, post-purchase re-engagement, and each mm -hmm. way along that path, a consumer can earn cash. Mm -hmm. And the unique part of our model is that they can offer up that cash and spend it at any time in real time uh, through a Visa debit card program uh, to make that accessible for the consumer at any particular point. Mm -hmm. Can you can you give us an example of yeah, maybe something common that you might see in Jing? Well, I know you'd be interested too, Megan. Is like what are the steps, Chris? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like So it all begins with I'm I'm assuming Jing it is an app that people have to download to their phone, and and it's available for iOS as well as Android. Correct. So we are both online and through mobile, and yep. you know we service virtually every Android out there, and mm -hmm. uh, certainly not iOS. And um, so with our, with our platform, um, we serve three audiences. We serve the retailer, we serve the brands, mm -hmm. and we serve the consumer. And anywhere along uh, that path, which might look like uh, moving a consumer from an online experience into mm -hmm. a brick and mortar, mm -hmm. and when they move into a brick and mortar, they might go engage at product level at shelf, mm -hmm. um, or they might engage with a point of sale item. Um, they might interact with the brand through a sampling program. Mm -hmm. And as they do that, they also are presented with offers, as in your world you might remember them or know them as, as coupons. Yep. And that gives them a value offer presented. We have a very unique technology from the standpoint of a consumer can now reserve that offer because the brand can put a timestamp according to however long they want that offer to be valid with that particular consumer. Mm -hmm. And uh, because we're a claims payment platform, it allows us to be able to um, – keep that in a holding pattern until the consumer either decides to redeem or let it go. Hmm. And as they redeem, then those offers are simply validated through technology of being inside the transaction with the consumer. And that's really mm -hmm. where a lot of these apps, uh, you know, where at least where we're at with the payment side is, is being inside the transaction with the consumer. It's really the new place. There's mm -hmm. multiple ways to do that with the retailer inside the point of sale or mm -hmm. uh, through mo the mobile wallet, which will become more prolific in the days to come. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, knowing what the consumer you know, what their buying experience is like or what they think of the product now that they've actually purchased it and, and gone through all that, those stages. So in some ways, you know, Chris, and based on what you're talking about, kind of reminds me of uh, Passbook on my iPhone. Yeah, it's, you know, basically this is, it, it's sought to be able to personalize offer for a consumer mm -hmm. so that you have relevant uh, information about them and they, of course, opt in. We don't share any personally identifiable information. So, we protect the consumer at the highest level, but as they opt in and engage along that path to purchase, we know more about them from an attribute standpoint because they answer uh, survey questions along that path, and oh. so we know what their interests are. And as we know that, then relevant information can be put in front of them so that they're not being, you know, hit from all sorts of uh, different angles. And our app is very conducive to. Uh, you know, the real estate on the app is essentially divided and bifurcated into different areas like retail. Uh, mm -hmm. retailers, brands, could be mm -hmm. thematic-based, like a Father's Day or a Halloween mm -hmm. promotion. It could be mm -hmm. CBGs or, or retailers or promotions tied in with uh, the charitable side of things um, as well. Can, well, let's talk about that a little bit, because that's how I first heard about Jinget, was with a promotion you had done with Walmart. So I still, you're explaining this beautifully, and I would still love it if you would give us a real-life example about what happens, you know, let's say I'm in Walmart, because I think that's where this cause-focused campaign happened. What does the consumer see? What are they asked to do? Um, and in the instance of the, the Walmart campaign, what was the charitable tie? 
So we worked with Walmart on their hunger program, which is mm-hmm. tied to Feeding America. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, yeah, very big program. Many mm-hmm. of involved in it, and as you know, it's an amazing initiative. At the end of the day, and so you know, there's a couple ways that we looked at it. We did it in one form where a brand associated with our technology and incentivized the consumer to move to a Walmart not move literally, but go there, and engage with their product at shelf level. And as the consumer did that, then uh, the benefit of that program, which in that case was meals, uh, moved at an an, uh, incremental rate according to when the consumer did that particular uh, engagement with the brand. So so, so let me just Um, stop you. Let me just stop you. So I walk into a Walmart. I see a big display or something, and it. how do I know what to do, like, as a consumer? So you might take that product off the shelf and scan it because anywhere in your in the app, it will simply walk the consumer through what the process is. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, they were told to scan X product, and in that case, it's the UPC code on the back of the product. Mm-hmm. And as they do that, it brings them up into an engagement. As they engage and the consumer completes that, then um, essentially it moves seven meals for every time that they engage along that path. Are they asked to watch a video? Are they asked to take a survey? Like what kind of things, like when you say engage, what does that mean? Yeah, so an engagement with the consumer could be a number of things. It could be watching content, and, you know, it's a rich media play as well Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to put content out on our platform. A lot of times when they're in store, we're very careful about putting video content in front of them because the experience can be bad if the Wi-Fi is not consistent across that box. And so a lot of times it will be more static relationship type of interaction. Um, And as they complete that engagement, then it's triggering that uh, XCBG would give X to Feeding America. Mm. Essentially, so another way that we did it was with uh, General Mills with Box Tops, obviously a mm. very prominent social uh, cause campaign that they yep. do to, to effectuate schools. And so we integrated with General Mills to the degree that a uh, consumer could pick from a school of their choice on a drop-down menu. And every time they engaged inside of a Walmart with a product of General Mills or a particular product that was selected for this promotion, then Xbox tops would move and those would move to the school of the consumer's choice in real time. Mm-hmm. Well, actually in delayed time, but in, uh, <laughs> the event would happen in real time. Well, faster probably than turning in a box top at the school or whatever the traditional redemption program is, right? Yeah, so I think, you know, box tops is such a, a, a mainstay in many consumers. I mean, they have mm-hmm. huge mm-hmm. Uh, penetration. But um, like anything else, digital gives um, loyalty platforms the ability to really grow. Um, when you have, you know, a physical, there is a, a lot of great positives out of that when you have to cut them out and send them in and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, to really grow a program as well, people in loyalty platforms and CBDs are looking at how digital can impact and affect that for the future. Mm-hmm. So- so, you know, Chris, one of the things I'm curious about is you mentioned like the mobile wallet and stuff like that. And, you know, it strikes me right now, like mobile payments are kind of all over the place. You know what I mean? With all these kind of native apps, like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts has its own app, for mobile payments and uh, Starbucks has its own app and stuff. I mean, you know, where does, where does Jingit fit in with that in terms of streamlining that process so that we can get to the process where we can use our phones to pay for everything? So, you know, we choose to be retailer agnostic, and we also choose to be mobile wallet agnostic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Starbucks is for sure a leader. I think 10% of their audience uses yeah. a mobile wallet as checkout. Yeah. That is by and far 
more saturated than anything else that's out there. Yep. Um, you know, I think when Google Wallet launched a few years ago, uh, they had 70,000 merchants, maybe if I'm not mistaken, and it was pretty quiet when they launched, very quiet. Part of the reason is is that um, you as a consumer don't have a problem with um, how you're exchanging your money with the retailer, which is your Visa debit card or your MasterCard right, or your Amex right. or Discover card credit or debit, and it's pretty convenient for you right now, but the needle's going to move towards that direction eventually where those wallets, those, those smartphones will be our wallets, and there's about three, if I'm not mistaken, about a month and a half ago, there's about 350 new entrants in the mobile wallet space. What I hear wow. at conferences are oh, that the experts say, you know, eight to ten of those will win out. You know, you, you definitely have Google Wallet as one of the players. You have ISIS. You have a group PayPal. consortium called yeah, 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 PayPal. Maybe one of You have uh, MCX, which is they have about if you look MCX.com up, they have about 60 of the nation's largest retailers associated with them, including Walmart, Target, Sears, Best Buy, 7-Eleven, and um, so they're all in a race to try to uh, figure out what is the solution. At the end of the day, the core issue to that solution is it can be a great technology or a great point of checkout, but if the consumer doesn't care about it, yeah. then it may not be adopted in, at the rate in which those companies want. So they have to figure out why does the consumer care and what's going to cause them to move other yeah. than just at the point of exchange other than my, my, my Visa or my uh, debit or credit card. Right, right. That, I just find it, you know, with it, with, you know, I use the Starbucks app every day. I mean, what I love about it is I just can carry my phone. I don't have to have anything else on me, you know, so it isn't like, oh, I'm looking for my credit card. You just, you know what? That's not, that's not like true. That. I'm jumping Why in is here. That? that is not true. You Why? like the social status associated with having the Starbucks because your identity yeah, is so well, closely linked with Starbucks. So yeah, I, I beg to differ. In the beginning, but now everyone, you know, I live in Boston. I mean, everyone is using the mobile app. You know what I mean? They go up, they scan the mobile app, and you know, I mean, I'd say if You're I was so in elitist. line with ten people, five people would be using the mobile app. Yeah, but, but it's, it's just. But you know what I love too about the mobile app, though, too, and I, I imagine this would be true for the mobile app uh, wallet too. Is it keeps track of things for me? Yeah, I don't have to worry about getting a receipt. Well, I don't have to worry about keeping track of my stars at Starbucks so I can get a free drink or something well, like there's that. Well, the, there's the jingit benefit, right, Chris? I mean, isn't that the piece that you guys are trying? You're not just the mobile payment platform. You have this consumer engagement piece. Well, yes. I mean, obviously, we, you know, we played our own music to a degree, but we believe we're the reason that consumer will care on the front end because we are that engagement model, which mm -hmm. if you look at what are the five, you know, most important things to CMO these days, engagement is the number one that we've seen. Absolutely. And so that is why the consumer will care. And then you have to tie that back to, well, what does that look like? Um, you know, it gets complicated, but what does it look like from an offers engine, essentially how that's going to be able to be scaled across a mass retailer like a Walmart or when you pull in 60 of the nation's largest retailers, how that works across the entire ecosystem of that. I mean, it's really complex. Mm -hmm. And again, what, what, what gives us a key differentiating point is that, you know, we figured out how to move, you know, right now at the rate of 120,000 transactions per second, which is, which is significantly faster than the largest processors that are out there. So it gives hmm. us the ability to have those conversations with the large, you know, payment platforms, the processors and the large scale retailers and the mobile wallets. But, hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy space. And, at the end of the day, um, you know, 
the, the turf wars will play out and the consumer, you know, you know, the consumer's nervous about the privacy issue, number one. Right, They're right. nervous about the security issue. Yeah, too, but Chris, don't you, think, don't you think they'll get over that? Like they've got it over depends. everything. It you depends. Know what I mean? like, well, it depends I mean, what happens. It depends how yeah, happy you know, they get. I, I think it's like ten years ago when people were nervous about paying for things online, and they got over it. And and even though people are still concerned about the privacy issue, it doesn't stop them from shopping online. It doesn't seem. Yeah, I mean, our philosophy is we believe that the privacy issue is going to really come and bite people in the years to come. Yeah. Um, by the way that they have uh, managed or mismanaged that. On the yeah. world of the security side, I mean, you look at Target, right? Yeah, right. Um, right. At yeah, the end of the day, they had it. Black Friday. Yeah, they had a terrible breach, and yeah. but um, you know, those of us who weren't impacted directly. Now I'm probably going to say this, and then eventually, <laughs> statement, I'm going to get totally hacked. But um, at the end of the day, you know, did it cause me to go order new cards? It did my parents because they're older than I am and they're a little more paranoid. And they don't live in the tech space. Right now, I'm perfectly comfortable with it, and I haven't asked either of my banks to issue. Right. Yeah, and I'll one. watch my statements. But at the end of the day, even if you get new cards, are you going to stop shopping at Target? Probably not. No. Right. You're just you're just going to watch your stuff more more closely. Hope you don't get hacked as part of the experience. And I'm sure those that have been highly impacted on their credit or whatnot would would answer this question completely different. <laughs> and I and I understand that. But at the end of the day, down the road. Uh, you will probably shop at Target regardless. Yeah. Right, right. So let go... me uh, – no, I want to ask – I want to ask a question. On, go ahead. On. No, but see, I have to ask Chris about um, Jingit's con connection to iBeacon. I knew you are going to. And I mean because, you know, it's I'm, like, fascinated with the technology, the potential of, you know, pushing people messages and deals through their apps on their phones and stuff and not making them work so much but putting it in the hands of the people that want to market to them. I mean, do you see Jingit tying in with that? Um, yeah, we're highly ramped up on that uh, experience right now. Um, you know, if you looked at CES, which is called Consumer Electronics Show, just yep. went on last week. Yep. And, um, you know, somebody got in and hacked the iBeacons there. They had a scavenger kind of approach where you went to X and X and X. You did this, it unlocked Y. Well, somebody went in and hacked those beacons from the outside, <laughs> didn't even have to do that at the show. And then they wrote an article about it. Really? And, yeah, the point is, is that, you know, there's still, um, you know, there's still a lot of concerns mm -hmm. about how that's going to be managed from a privacy security, uh, uh, you know, and then being truly valid based on what they say they're going to do. And so, you know, again, we want to be, you know, to a degree somewhat agnostic in that space and have our technology be able to ride along any of those beacon environments mm -hmm. um, and have our just like a mobile wallet and uh, look at it as like a beacon and have our technology be able to interface with that so that our technology can provide through that, you know, hyper-local experience um, the intent of what those beacons are supposed to do. But that said, there's still, I would call this whole thing kind of blown up on steroids right now. Mm -hmm. And time will, time will, you know, tell. I, I know retailers are ramping up really quickly trying to figure out what their investment's going to look like or what their strategy's going to look like. Mm -hmm. And and it's a competitive race for the real estate in, of those which beacons are going to hit what piece of real estate, right? In, you know, inside or outside, it's going to be huge in the world, I believe, for, for event and property marketing. So when you look mm. at cause, 
yep. as an example. And, you know, Cause is, is notorious for having significant event and corporate mm-hmm. uh, affiliation yeah, right, back. Right. Yeah. I think those beacons will be extremely convenient to be able to run engagement models and, and, and um, you know, uh, hyperlocal experiences for those consumers at events, which can be very portable right. as the events are portable. And I think that was, is going to be very huge in that market. But mm-hmm. um, so the answer to your question is yes, we are neck deep in um, in how we will uh, interface with that whole field. You know. I, I want to go back to the cause experiments that you've done in the past with Walmart and, I, and, and other ones. And what was the other one? Box tops. I'm curious from the Walmart perspective, if you're able to speak to this at all, it, why was it important to them to test that, that cause piece with Jingit? What was the impetus behind all of that? Well, I think they're always trying to figure out how they, um, how to better their experience for the consumer. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, how to provide um, a way for the CPGs to capture, you know, somewhat, of a return on investment on the money that they put behind the program as well. Right. So if technology can help them do that, they're, um, you know, they're all ears. And, you know, I think I've, I've talked to you a little bit about some of the work that we're, you know, Roland Uncle Caesar with the Children's Miracle Network. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they are, they're a very prominent um, uh, nonprofit, and they tie into it with a lot of different brands and a lot of different retailers, and they're very successful. And, you know, one of the experiences about <clears throat> the way that retail works with, with, uh, with nonprofits is that you have tended to be able to give a lot of times at point of register based on uh, the person running the register asking if you'd like to purchase X uh, and then Y would go to the, um, to the charity of choice for that month or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's a very valid program and it's, generate a lot of money for nonprofits, at the end of the day, they don't know who the consumer is. So once the consumer yeah, passes yeah. that, they have an interest in that organization, they can no longer touch them because they don't really know who they are. Now, um, it's always an opt-in by the consumer base uh, to be able to engage with that. But mm-hmm. if you could really uh, extend that into an experience for the consumer that's much different than just saying yes at the register and move on, you might be able to really uh, affect a charity and involve a person that might not otherwise be involved if they weren't uh, engaged. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's the critical piece for nonprofits that, as you so astutely pointed out, that is so missing. I mean, anything from you know Facebook campaigns that are run on brand pages to donating a do- donating a dollar at the register, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. piece that's missing. So um, that's fascinating. And it, it, for the brand and for the CPG, it ends up being sort of another profile piece right for the consumer about what they're interested in and what they care about and what moves them so fascinating fascinating great stuff yeah yeah, yeah and i think another Go ahead, yeah another piece of that is that you have the ability to work through a um you know a a, a, a an umbrella organization that also penetrates down into a hyper local experience for whatever their charity benefits yeah. and if you because we're a payment platform and you run a program let's call it a national program in any zip, and that consumer does X, and because they do X, Y is going to move, you can also bifurcate all of that money into a hyper-local experience based down to the zip of whatever hyper-local operation it could receive that benefit versus just having it be a national dollar. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's huge for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, right, since they're 
you know, very, very keen on the on the hyper hyper local piece. They've done a lot of their own research on how effective that is and how, uh, how much that resonates with consumers. So I could see that being a value too. Well, this is just fascinating, and yeah, unfortunately, this is great. Thank you very much, Chris. I know we've come to the end of our time, which I knew this was going to fly by, especially see, for Joe, because this is this is Joe's like favorite part of the world is talking about emerging te- emerging technology. So Love this stuff. So we really really appreciate you joining us today, Chris. Um, if people want to find out more about Jingit, how might they do so? They can always go to jingit.com, J-I-N-G-I-T.com. That's very simple. If you're a brand retailer, you can look at the top right and see Jingit for business. Um, I suppose if anybody wanted to reach out to me in the hard to find, either on LinkedIn, they can shoot me an email, um, chris.murray at jingit.com. And, uh, you know, happy to uh, interact with necessary. So when you're not shoveling, you're more than happy <laughs> to take those emails. <laughs> Well, actually, when I'm not shoveling, I'm snowblowing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> talk about technology. requires too much effort these days. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, that's too much. you got to take it easy on that, Chris. That's awesome. <laughs> Joe, where are you shoveling your virtual snow online? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so nicely put, Megan. Thank you. Um, of course, people can find me at selfishgiving.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Waters. Check out my cause marketing Pinterest boards at pinterest.com slash Joe Waters. And of course, Megan, got a new book out, Fundraising Woo-hoo! with Businesses. And uh, it's out. It's selling well. And uh, people seem it's getting good reviews and people seem enthusiastic about it. So I hope you'll check it out. You can go to my blog, hit the book tab, and you can read a chapter from the book to learn all about it. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also online on Twitter at Megan Strand. And I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF and also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at CauseUpdate.com. And you can find Cause Talk Radio on iTunes as well as Stitcher Smart Radio. If you liked this episode, please go in and give us a thumbs up. Leave us a comment so we know uh, what to do more of in the future. And on behalf of Chris and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Cause Talk Radio. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 